0: Somebody left me a chapstick up here and that's sketchy. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not, I'm not using strange chapstick. So, <laughs> how are we doing this morning? Good. Great worship time together. I love that. That's, that's so fantastic. We are, we are wrapping up our Roman series, uh, this morning and I'm really excited about that. Um, and so turn over to Romans chapter eight in your Bibles if you want to follow along. Um, you know we this uh Romans chapter eight is you know you've got favorite verses and you know favorite books of the Bible what Romans chapter eight is my favorite chapter of the bible, and um it's just it's just fantastic and it really dives into what we kind of ended with last week was which was this kind of frustrated feeling of uh i you know there's this kind of war going on inside of us um you know we know like. We're following Jesus. We love Jesus. We know the good we're supposed to do. Paul tells us, and uh, and yet we it seems like we continue making the wrong choices. Continue going back to the old dry wells, and 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 not really fully being who Christ has called us to be. Everybody feel anybody ever feels frustrated that you're not fully who Christ wants you to be? Yeah, four of us. Good. So. Um, so anyway, so yeah, it's uh it is a very frustrating feeling cuz I cuz like I said last week, I know how much I love the Lord. I do. I know how much I know I know you love the Lord too. And um and so to to how do we deal with that tension of who we know we're called to be um and then how our lives actually play out at times. And and Paul, you know, uh gives us great hope as we go into chapter 8 of how to do that. And and Basically, it's we learn to live life in the spirit, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, have you ever done anything hard that you felt like uh, you wanted to give up? Like you knew it was worthwhile doing, and then once you got into it, you're like, oh, no, 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 never mind. I'm just going to give this thing up, right? Like too hard. That's the story of my life. And um, But there was one, like I'm, I love hiking. I don't get to do it as much as I, I would like to do. Um, but, and some of you, like when I say this, some of you are going to be like, whoa, that's impressive. And, and most of you are going to be like, yeah, I've done hikes 10 times worse than that. So, uh, just, this is, I'm just sharing from where I am. Don't judge. Okay. So, uh, like one of the most enjoyable hikes I ever did, uh, and it was for me a very physically challenging hike was, uh, in Yosemite Valley. I think they call it the four mile trail, if you know Yosemite Valley, the four mile trail is, uh, uh, you start on, well, the way I did it, anyway, I started at the valley floor, most people start at the top and come down, I was dumb, and so, uh, start on the valley floor, and you, you hike up approximately four miles, I think it's actually a little more, um, all the way up to Glacier Point, all the way up to the top, right, and, uh, it's grueling, and it's just switchbacks, switchbacks, switch so all the way up, you know, and, and, uh, and, and then, so, so when I did that hike, um, like I don't mind an uphill hike because you can always stop and take a break, right? Like even if you're, you're completely wore out, you can stop and get your breath and keep going. I can do that all day long. The downhill stuff wears on my joints, my knees and stuff. That's that's a little more difficult for me. But anyway, we I was doing this with uh, Isaiah and a friend, and we're heading up the four mile trail, and, and I'm and I'm taking a break. I, mean, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack the whole way up, right? And and because Cheetos, and so, um, and so anyway, so but we we're all we're going all the way up and. Uh, I love it. It's beautiful views. You see views on that trail that you don't see anywhere else in the park. It's just amazing. Um, and, but get all the way up about, I don't know, a couple hundred yards, quarter mile from the top, and I start to feel my knee give out on me a little bit. And um, so we get to the top, take take a lunch break up there, and rest a while. The plan was to keep, to go, to go further, to keep going down and come back down the mist trail and, and all that kind of stuff. But I felt like my knee was not having it right, and so I was like, "Okay, I'm just going to do the shortest thing. I'm just going to go back down the four mile trail." And uh, and so Isaiah and my buddy went on the plan trail. I went back down by myself, and and as I start going down, man, my knee is tricking out on me seriously, and I was like, "This this is not going to happen. Like I'm going to be stranded here." And I had um, it was there was still a little snow on the trail. It was you know early spring, and had my hoodie on and. I found a good walking stick, like a good sturdy stick about this tall. And and so I'm just cripping it all the way down. Just, just, just old man walking all the way down, right? And and so I got this hoodie on and people are now the thing about the four mile trail is that all the young bucks, they start at the top and they sprint down. They just run down, right? And so I would I would just, I was just doing this with the hoodie on and people are coming up behind me and uh and they'd be like, hey, good job, man. And they'd look at me and they'd do a double take because they th- assumed I was incredibly old, right? And they were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And Everybody, stop. Actually, none of the Americans stopped, all the Europeans stopped. <laughs> And they were like, like, like looking like, are you okay, man? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm just gonna take my time. I'll, I'll eventually get down. But I'm dying. I mean, I'm hurting something fierce. And uh at one point, some some guys they they passed me, they checked on me, passed me, and then about five minutes later came back to me and were like, we were thinking like you should have our trekking poles. You need them worse than we do. They were trying to give me their poles, right? And I was like, No, no, no. My stick is fine. You guys, it's fine. So I, so I just keep, I just keep going down. And there was so, like, there was one point, like it was getting, my knee was getting so bad. Like one point, I sat down on this big rock, and I was just like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can keep keep going. Like I really didn't know if I could keep going. And um, and so, but I, you know, got it back up in me again, and I just started all the way down i finally get to the bottom and then i'm just like spread eagle on the grass just like laying laying out everybody thought i was dead i think but i just i just needed to rest that knee but but it was th- th- this this whole process of on the way up just wanting to quit because i felt like i was going to have a heart attack and on the way down you know wanting to quit because I, you know, I didn't think my body could handle it and, and just could continue pushing myself. And it was, like, it was it was such a grueling hike, but it was also so rewarding. Like, I, I love that I did, I, I enjoyed that hike so much. And, and I think life is that way at times, if, if you're like me, when it comes to this thing that we call faith, there are times when our spirit takes such a beating, um, that if you're like me, you kind of pull over and you sit on a rock and you start seriously asking yourself, can I keep doing this? Would anybody be honest enough to lift your hand and say, I've been there too, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to just, like, like again, I know I love the Lord. I know how good he is. I know, I, I know all of that. I'm bought into his way of life. I'm bought, I'm, I'm bought into that. But there are times when life hits so hard or doubt creeps in so heavy that I'm I feel like I'm back on that trail going. I don't I don't know if I don't know if I should keep going. I don't know, maybe I need to tap out. Like and that is that is just the brutal honest truth. And that's because we oftentimes try to do our spiritual life on our own strength. <clears throat> and this is what the Bible tries to teach us over and over and over again is that you don't have it in you naturally, to finish this race all by yourself. You just don't. Not only do you need the support of your brothers and sisters in Christ, a community uh, you know, of, of believers to you know, hold you up and support you and help you out, but you have got to do it in the Spirit. If you try to do it in your own flesh, in your own power, it will not work out. And this is where Paul takes us this morning in this really incredible, beautiful chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter 8, where he teaches us what life in the Spirit, like walking with the Spirit, looks like. And he does this because of what he ended last week, like end of chapter 7 with, this hopeless feeling of, you know, that tension of the war that's going on between our spirit and our flesh all the time. And that hopelessness, he's like, if you're going to move past that hopeless feeling, if you're going to finish this race, it has to be done by walking in the Spirit. And so this is where he takes us this morning. So let's just look at it. Romans chapter 8, start with verse 1. He says, and we read these couple verses uh, last week, therefore there is now, therefore. So you, the, you know the Bible rule that if you read therefore, you, you go back and read what was before that so you know what the therefore is there for, right? And so, so again, the reminder, he had just said, what a wretched man am I, I hate that I can't do this. I hate that this war is going on within me. I hate that I know what I ought to be doing and I do the wrong thing over and over and over again. I need help. Thank God there's Jesus, but I need help. And then he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not condemned. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit, what what we talked about last week, the Spirit in you is greater than the sin in you. The Spirit in you is greater than the sin in you. God has poured His presence into your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He has poured His presence into your life, and the presence of God in you is greater than the sin in you. And you think you're going to be wiped off of this trail by your sin. You think you're gonna be disqualified from all the rewards or the inheritance because of your sin, and God is constantly trying to remind you, no, 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 my spirit in you trumps the sin in you. And if my spirit is in you, then your sin is defeated. It's defeated. I'm not saying you're never gonna sin. I'm just saying the spirit in you is greater than the sin in you. so that our flesh could also be crucified and we could live life in the Spirit. And look what he says next in uh, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Where's your mindset right now? Where's your mindset right now? Is your mind fixed on sinful, fleshly, earthly things, or is your mind fixed and set on the Spirit? Because here's the thing about, like God, and you've heard me say this before. God has never asked for perfection from us. He does not expect moral perfection from you. Read the Bible. None of those guys were morally perfect. None of them. None of them. In fact, most of them would be disqualified from volunteering in our kids ministry. They would not pass the background check, right? Like, like that's that's just the truth. The, the God is not looking to expect moral perfection from you, what he expects is faithfulness and faithfulness. I can't do perfection. I can do faithfulness. I can do faithfulness. I can do the, okay, I'm wiped out. I'm beat up. I got to sit down and catch my breath, take, my break, take a break, give my body a break, and get back up and keep going. I can do faithfulness, right? And so he says, um, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Where's your mind? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? Like, like when we talk about all the laws we're supposed to live up to and all that kind of stuff, like where, where does this leave us? Because when you look at all that law, you look at all that Old Testament law and even some of the you know, new ones that get thrown into the New Testament and stuff like that, and it's just this giant list of do's and don'ts, it feels like. And it's like I can't live up to that. It feels hopeless. And that is the point. You can't that God is perfect and his standard is perfection and you can't meet that standard, only Jesus can. And so we place our faith in him and allow him to meet it for us. That's the whole point. The whole point of the law is not to give you a list of do's and don'ts to live by. The whole point of the law is to show you a list of do's and don'ts that you can't possibly live by. You can't possibly do it. But Jesus can and Jesus did and we place our faith in him, and we trust him, and we trust his broken body and his spilled blood as we celebrated this morning with communion, and we put our faith in him. And then what happens is that God looks at us and sees Jesus, and he says, welcome in, good and faithful servant. Welcome in. Like, like that's, the whole, that's, that's the whole purpose of this. And what is it that we're called to do? What is it that we're actually called to do? Jesus is like, you you, you know all the commands that came before. You know all that stuff. You know all that old law. Jesus said, I give you a new command. And what was that new command? Love each other the way that I loved you. So this is what life in the Spirit looks like. Go ahead and put that next slide up. We live love. We live love. Now this is, again, I can't do moral perfection. I think I can try living love. I think I can do that. I'm not saying I'll be great at it. I'm not saying there won't be hiccups along the way. I'm not saying that occasionally I'll choose hate over love. I'm just saying I can fix my mind on that and go, I, I can let love be my guide. I can do that. I can try more often than not in the scenarios that come up in my life to go, what would love have me do here and do that? I can do that. Again, it's like, it's like that position of faithfulness. It's not perfection. It's just faithfulness. You guys realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, He's not trying to get you to drink less and cuss less and all this kind of stuff that we tend to fix fixate on and all you know whatever your list of moral you know junk is. Like that's not what He's trying to do. What He's trying to do is is pour His presence in you so that you can go into the world almost like a. um, a contagion that would spread throughout this world. And what you're spreading is not hate, and what you're spreading is not political ideologies, and what you're spreading is not, not whatever. What you're spreading is love. Love everywhere you go. It's where people encounter you in difficult situations, and they see you choose love over what people would normally choose, and they go, what just happened here? And you live this life... So that you go out into the world and people, through the love that you share and the forgiveness that you give and all this kind of stuff that Christ calls us to do, they they walk away going, they don't even know what they experienced, but, but if they thought hard enough about it and somebody guided them to the truth, they'd realize they experienced Jesus through you. What they experienced was Jesus through you. We are called to be agents of love in this world. in your family in the way that you do your work, in the way that you're a neighbor, in the way that we do church. Like everything we do needs to be driven by love. And guys, this is what we know. We know this is true. There's nobody in this room going, no, 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 there's just too much love in the world. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a bunch of bull, Jeff. We need, you know, we, we, that's not what we need. No, we all know You know how easy it is to buy into the idea of go into the world and love well? Like, I want to sign up for that. I want more of that in my life. I want to be able to do that better than I do. I'd give my life to that call. I'd give my, and that's the call that Jesus presents to us. It's the one that he gives us. Look what he says next. Paul says, uh, starting in verse 18. He says that "I, I consider that our present sufferings, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation of the children of God to be revealed. There's this, do you realize what he just said there? That all of creation is waiting for us to get our act together. That all of God's creation is eagerly waiting for us to truly show up as the children of God that we are. That's, that's, a, that's amazing. Look what he says next. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. So here he's going back to that tension that's in us that we talked about last week. There's that, that, that tension between the sin in us and the Spirit in us. It's like our hearts cry out, God, I wish I could, I, don't you wish that sometimes? Don't you wish you could just go ahead and be in your glorified state so you could totally rid yourself of your bad choices and your sin and all the garbage and all the hate and everything else? Like, 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 just, God, I want you to fully transform me. I know it's coming someday. I know in, in eternity I'll be fully transformed in your likeness. I'll be fully resurrected God, I want to experience that resurrection power, that resurrection transformation right now because I'm tired of making the same dumb choices in our bodies, our flesh, our our spirits eagerly await. We groan inside for that transformation. We want that so bad. And look what he says next, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This is what Paul's saying here. He's like, all that, like, we are so faulty, we are so unholy that, um, anybody ever prayed something? You don't have to raise your hand on this, but anybody ever prayed something where, like, you look back on what you were praying for and go, yeah, I'm really glad God didn't give me what I prayed for? Yeah, yeah, um, that's because we're idiots. That's because we are such idiots, and we don't, we don't know, like we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to pray for. And what I love about, about what Paul teaches us here is that sometimes your flesh is praying. Sometimes your flesh is praying. It's not your spirit praying, but the spirit in you kind of bumps the flesh out of the way and goes, okay. Just stop where you are. That prayer is not going to get to God. I got this. And, and he takes what we actually need and what the Spirit actually wants in us, and he intercedes for us, and he takes that to God. He takes that to God. That God is, like, when you give your life to the Lord, when you really turn yourself over to God and the Holy Spirit comes inside you, like, he's got even your prayer life. Like, pray the wrong thing. It's okay. The Spirit, will, the Spirit will translate it the way it should have been to God. The Spirit will take care of it. Like this is life, and this is what the next big point, is we need to learn to trust the Spirit to mind the gap. Trust the Spirit to mind the gap. If you ever been uh, traveling uh, maybe over in Europe and English-speaking places and stuff like that where, where uh, you go to the subway systems and there's these signs everywhere that say, mind the gap, and the, the idea is, you know, don't somehow fall between the platform and the train, right? Don't, don't mind the gap between, you know, make sure you don't you know get your toe stuck in there or whatever and, and mind the gap. And there is this gap between who we are and who God has called us to be. And rather than us constantly freaking out and, and stressing about the fact that we can't be who God has called us to be, we are just who we are, the Holy Spirit says, don't worry about this. I got this. I understand the distance between who you are and who you've been called to be. I understand how big of a gap that is. I'll, I got the gap. I got the gap. We need to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. He's going to mind the gap. He's going to take care of that. He's going to bridge the distance between who you are and who God has called you to be. Now, some of you are sitting back right now because you're legalist. And and you're like, Jeff, this doesn't sound right. It sounds like you're just giving me permission to not try. And no, that's not true. That's not true. I'm giving you a, a call to go into the world and be totally and completely led by the love of Jesus Christ. And if you think that's easy, then you don't understand love. If you think that's a simple call, an easy call, like I'm somehow letting you off, then you don't understand love. That's why Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law, which it would have been so much better if he would have just come and said, yeah, yay law. Why? Because law is easy. Law is a, very, a clear list of do's and don'ts. And we like lists of do's and don'ts because they're easy. Oh, you got, you got a list of things I, I can't do? Sweet, I'll check them all off. Look at me, A+. Plus. Right? It's so easy to like follow a list. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, here's the, here's the thing about the list. Put that list away. Because you guys are missing the whole point of the list. You know, the list said don't commit adultery. You guys are missing the point. So you didn't commit adultery? Yay. But you're constantly lusting after people. You're constantly looking at ladies walking down the street and just, and just staring them down all the way, you know, until they're out of sight, until they've disappeared into the horizon He's like, "No, I'm telling you that even if you look at a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. Put the list away." The list said don't murder. Congratulations, you made it through life without murdering, but you hated everybody. Love requires you to realize that that hate does the same thing that murder does. It destroys people. So don't hate. Don't hate. 10%, the, you know, the Old Testament law said you should give 10% to the temple. 10% of your, so you gave, you, man, you, you, you calculated it to the penny and you gave 10%. Congratulations. Jesus says the New Testament law is, no, 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 like put, put the list away. What love requires you to do is give everything. That's so much harder than 10%, amen? That's so much harder than 10%. I'm not telling you to liquidate all your accounts and give to the church and die in starvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying everything that God has blessed us with, we hold it completely with an open hand, and it's his to call back at any moment. If love requires that we give something that is ours to someone else who needs it, then that's what love does. If love calls us to step up in ways that stretch us and make us uncomfortable, or open up our homes in ways that stretch us or make us uncomfortable, or or give of our time in ways that stretch us and make us uncomfortable, then that's what love requires. It would be so much easier to write the 10% check and calculate it to the penny and just absolve yourself of actually and truly loving people. So that's not what we're interested in here. Yes, your gifts to the church help support the ministry that we do, and hopefully you believe in that ministry the way that we believe in that ministry. But we're not interested in you calculating your 10% to the exact penny and then absolving yourself of the call to love. Because if you give and yet you still don't love, you're wasting your money. You're not impressing anybody. Jesus calls us out of the list and he says, you need to get to the heart of the reason why I gave you the list. The list was given to you so that you would be able to walk in this world in love and you've taken the list and you've made it your God and it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Now look what he says next, going down to verse 31. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, <laughs> I promise you that's the best thing you're going to hear all week long. I pro- You're not going to hear one bit of news this week better than that. I guarantee it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Like, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, like, God put this fail-safe in you so that even you can't separate you from the love of God. Even you can't separate you from the love of God. God has got this, and that's that's the final point. God's got you. God's got you. He has got it. Put your faith in Him, Quit placing your faith in yourself, in your own abilities, in your own morality, in your own ability to always do the right thing or not. Quit putting your faith in Him. The problem with you blaming yourself for all your mistakes is that if you blame yourself for all your mistakes, you'll take credit for all your victories. You'll take credit for all your victories. Oh, look what I did. Look how more, now you never, you're too good a Christian to say it out loud, but you're thinking it, but you're thinking it. (laughs) You're looking around the room going, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I'm not perfect, I know the Bible tells me I'm not perfect, you know, whatever, but I'm way more perfect than most of this crowd. (laughs) And I just, you've heard me say this a thousand times before if you've been here very long, that living hope is a low bar. That is a low bar of moral perfection, trust me. It is a low, low bar. Why? Because this is a church of people who have mostly come together and learned to go, I know I'm not perfect. And perfection is actually even not what I'm trying for. I just want to go throughout this world living love in every scenario that Christ puts in front of me. And I think that if I do that, that I'll probably become a... More moral person along the way, but morality is not the goal. Love is the goal. Love is the goal. Stop coming to church just to clean yourself up. Stop coming to church just to clean yourself up. Some of you now, people enter church for, for all kinds of different reasons, and I love. Like everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got. So there are some wild salvation stories out there. Like I knew a lady once that. That was just, you know, she was like 12 years old, driving down the road with her arm out. She wasn't driving. Her parents were driving out the road, down the road with her arm out the window. She looks over, sees the, hair, the wind moving through the hair on her arm, and she just goes, there's a God. Like, there's no theology for that. There's no, you don't know how God is going to meet you. You don't know. One of the most godliest men I ever knew was a guy who, who his wife and his kids went to church and he never went to church and the church got, so, uh, got into such a bad financial place that they were getting ready to shut the church down. And he just somehow knew that his world would be a worse place if that church closed down and so he gave to save the church and started attending the church and became one of the godliest men I've ever knew. Don't tell me that the gospel can't break through even a call for money. Like, you never know how God is going to reach people, and I love all your stories of how you come, and some of you are, are those parents that, you know, you never went to church before, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bashing you, it's just reality, you never went to church before, it wasn't a big priority to you or whatever, you had kids, and you started baby-proofing your house, and part of the baby-proofing you did was to start bringing your kids to church, we got to get them in a good place, and, I, what, and, and, and I'm glad that's how you entered this room. Can I ask you to move beyond the baby-proofing mentality and actually embrace a call to love in this world? Because I think you're going to find something so much more satisfying when you get into what the heart of the gospel is and the heart of the gospel call is in your life and begin to actually live Jesus, live love in this world. You don't have to be perfect. God's got this. God's got this. Just take his love into the world and see what happens just take it in. Do that. Amen. Let's do that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's good news, amen. That's good news. So, this is what I want to do. I want to read a different prayer to you this morning. This is the last Paul's final words of the book of Romans. Romans 16, starting with verse 25 going through 27. He says this, now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you so much for this uh, amazing and beautiful letter that Paul has gifted the church with, that you saw fit to make sure it survived even 2,000 years later to reach our ears. Um, I just want to thank you so much that your gospel is so contrary to our nature. Our nature that is constantly telling us, that we're not good enough. That we are too sinful for you to love us. Our nature that is constantly trying to put the keep the law in front of our face and meet all the moral standards so that you'll love us more, so that you'll be more pleased with us. I'm so thankful that the gospel, like, it just blasts through all of that. And says, no, 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 I love you and nothing can separate me from you. And what I've called you to do is not be perfect, but I've called you to love well. So God, help us, like transform us. God, don't transform the things that I tend to focus on. My moral issues, my moral failures. God, instead, would you just transform my heart and give me a heart of love that that resembles your heart of love teach me to love the way that you love so well and i just believe god that if you just do that one transformation in my heart um, then i won't have to focus on that other stuff anymore make me a more loving person i need that i want that and god i'm just gonna i'm gonna assume that everybody else in this room would like for that transformation to hit them as well, that generally speaking, we want to be kinder, more loving people, that we want to love in dangerous ways and ways that stretch us and stretch our faith and grow us into better and more beautiful people. So God, I pray that you would just transform us as a church and uh, give us a love that is shocking to this community. And we'll give you the praise for it, God. We don't want any of that. We don't want any of that attention. We're not trying to build the, you know, whatever, the living hope kingdom, God. We just want to build your kingdom. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you are a person that's like, um, I'm new to faith or or I'm not sure if I want to become a person of faith, but you're hearing some of this stuff and you're going... That's attractive to me, and I think I could get behind that. I know I couldn't be perfect, but I think I could be faithful. I think I could try to be a more loving person and allow God to transform my life. If you want to become a person of faith and accept that call, Would you just let me know, like Jesse said, she said, let me know or let the connection card know. I'm just going to tell you, let the connection card know, because I forget. So let the connection card know and say, hey, man, I'd like to talk to you about being baptized. I want to be a person of faith. And, man, we'll get together. We'll we'll meet. We'll have a cup of coffee. We'll do whatever you want to do. But we'll have a conversation about that, and we'll get you started on that journey. But reach out, because we want to help you in that. Amen? Amen. All right, everybody have a great week.